0: Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Simon Dudley, Chief Contrarian for Accession Events. To learn more and for information about the book and other resources, please go to accessionevents.com. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today, I've got my old friend and business colleague for many, many years, Casey King with us, the former CTO of Life Size. Welcome to the show, Casey.
1: Yeah, thanks, Simon. Great to see you.
0: Good man. Um, now look, most of the industry is going to know everything about you or think they do, but we probably better hear it in your own words. So, tell us all about yourself, at least a little overview to start with.
1: Okay, yeah, we'll get started with that. I guess, uh, I guess what I'll, we'll start with is you know, kind of the path you know into the CTO at life size, and um, you know because you know I don't think anybody you know kind of grows up and says I'm going to be the CTO, or you know it's not a really clear find path, but. I mean, for me, you have to kind of go back to when I was a kid, and uh, and I grew up 10 miles from JSC, NASA, you know, on one side, and then 10 miles the other direction, in Houston was the, uh, you know, the Houston Ship Channel and all the petrochemical businesses and industries there, you know, probably the biggest in the U.S. So, I mean, that was, uh, you know, when I was nine years old is when we landed on the moon, you know, so... You know, in my neighborhood, I had a mix of, you know, space engineers and then also a mix of petroleum engineers. So, so by the time I went to college, um, you know, I was, I was really kind of dead set on being an architect. I really, really enjoyed drawing and drafting and, you know, building things. You know, it's, uh, um, but my best friend's dad was a chemical engineer, worked in the petrochemical industry. He says, no, 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 you don't want to be an architect you know, the, the next the next couple of decades are all gonna be about electrical engineering, you should be an electrical engineer. So boom, just you know, right like that, changed changed perspective on what it was I was gonna do, and went off and, and became an electrical engineer at the University of Texas. Now so that's that's kind of core in my whole history of you know, there's these little moments that you know that, that are you know kind of serendipity, they just kind of come in and, and they totally change the trajectory of where of where you go. So that was probably one of the first ones. So after college, um, I was also big into aviation. I you know learned to fly when I was seventeen. I built model rockets and model airplanes. You know from, you know from all the influences you know in the in the Bay area in the Clear Lake area. Um, you know so I, the job I took out of college was with a company called Link Flight Simulation. We built F sixteen flight simulators, which was which was great for you know a twenty two year old kid to be able to go off and. And kind of run amok with you know equipment that the military owned that cost tens of millions of dollars, and got to do all sorts of fun things, you know, fun things with, with that. So, you know, it's got to got to join a couple different passions: aviation and and uh, technology and software and hardware. So, so then the next the next leap was uh, we we're driving to a wedding, uh, and my wife is this chronic button pusher on the radio, and this ad ad came up on the radio where Apple computer was actually looking for, you know, to hire new people and they were going to be in the area, you know, to do some interviews in the next week or so. And, you know, she reached for the button to change the channel. I go, no, 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 no. Wait just a second. So, so I go jot down that number. And she's like, what, there's no way you're going to call them. But, but, you know, she jotted it down. And I did because the processor that they used in the Macintoshes was the same, same processor that I used at at school. Um, because Motorola was kind of right down the street from University of Texas. So we made the phone call. And then three weeks later, we were in Cupertino. I was working for Apple. You know, so that was, uh, and, and the, other, the other part about that story is I was taking some graduate classes at University of Houston around computer graphics. And that's really what enabled me to get that job at Apple. If I hadn't have done that, then I definitely wouldn't have gotten that job because I was working in the systems extension group. And you know the job I worked on, I was the only software guy working on this true color graphics adapter that we that we built, and we, we were the first PC vendor, you know, to do true color to uh, true color graphics back in 1990 or so. So, you know, again, you know, it's just these random acts that you know it, it ends up that you get to be certain places. So I worked at Apple for over 12 and a half years. Um, joined a startup company called Alchemy Semiconductor. Um, We built really high-performance SOCs. It was a MIPS-based architecture. I'm going Um, to
0: regret this, but what's an SOC?
1: uh, So an SOC is a system on a chip. I mean, you know, so it's, you know, processors used to be these very, you know, single-purpose things, and then you put peripheral chips around it. And, you know, today it seems like they've been around forever because all the processors are like that, but that was pretty, you know, that was a pretty keen, you know, kind of ideal back then. Um, but these were ex-Apple guys that I went to work with. Um, it had a, it had an okay ending. I mean, it was uh, we got acquired by Advanced Micro Devices. Um, we actually had a term sheet on the table when the planes hit the towers on September 11th, and that term sheet was ripped away. And then we ultimately sold you know the company to AMD for probably uh, you know one tenth of the price a few months later. So you know just another another example of how random things are and how a lot of times the, those things aren't inside your control. I really wasn't a great fit at AMD. I mean, it was, you know, I was more of a product person, not a chip person. So, uh, so I reached out to Craig Malloy and Michael Knoyer at life size. Uh, you know, I'd been recruited at Polycom before that um, really wasn't the right time, but it definitely was um, then. I mean, it was at the very, very beginning that this, you know, really kind of uh, renaissance of video conferencing around three things around high definition, around, IP networks and around a new video codec called h.264. So, so that was a, you know, a start of almost a 12 year, uh, 12 year adventure um, that ended for me about maybe a month or so ago when I decided it was time for me to start to look at other things and do, you know, do something else, uh, else next, which, which I'm calling my gap year, you know, I have no intentions of doing anything, you know, uh, for employment for a year, you know, because I think that when you look, you know, for me, it's, when you're able to kind of get your mind clear, then you know it's uh, you get a sense of clarity of you know the problems that you want to solve and the people that you want to work with next, and so that's certainly the case. That's certainly the case where I'm at now. So, so that kind of describes you know kind of my path from you know early kid to to uh, to where I am now,
0: and quite a journey. And, and interesting how small serendipitous points just change the landscape completely for you just to drive down the road or an airplane crashing into a building or whatever just changes your entire life. It's kind of interesting. I guess most of us have it, but those are rather distinct examples of it. So in your career you've seen, I mean, you must've seen more than most, I suspect almost anybody, massive disruption caused by a new piece of technology coming in an accession event. What do you see as the most important one that you were involved in? I mean, you must have seen a lot.
1: Yeah, and I think that, I mean, you you talk about them in your book about called accession events. You know, uh, Clayton Christensen um, talks about them as, you know, disruptive innovation. And, um, I mean, I kind of, my career, I think, has been centered around kind of living on the fringes and, uh, you know, living at these places – I'm very interested in things when not that many people are know about them or, or are interested in them, and and then I become less interested as they become more commoditized. I'm, you know, I tend to move on to something else. So, so I think almost everywhere I've worked, it's been you know it's been that way. I mean, it's you know, the power of computing in general has just allowed you know just some remarkable you know remarkable innovations over over time. I, if I if I were to pick one, I think I'd, I'd have to absolutely pick you know, at Apple, um, you know, which was a, a project that I worked on from day zero for 10 years until I left Apple, which was called QuickTime. I'm sure a lot of, a lot of the audience is aware of that, you know, although it's, it's, uh, my God, it's gotta be, you know, 20, 20 plus years since we did that. You know, we did it with a really small team. I mean, probably less than 10 people to start with. It was, uh, we did it in about 14 months from start to finish. Um, and then that product you know has you know been been on hundreds of millions of people's pcs i mean so if you talk about scale and there's very very few companies that really have when you talk about scale they really have the ability to to scale to those kind of numbers and apple is certainly one of them but but you know the impact on people i mean there was you know we used to say you know there was nothing like it before and everything like it since Um, you know it, there were a lot of a lot of companies, especially in the content creation business. You know, Grass Valley is is you know comes to mind. Um, that uh, Avid is an, is another one. You know, these guys sold you know sold production studio equipment that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then when we came out with products like Final Cut Pro and iMovie, you know, coupled with you know the QuickTime Foundation, then I mean that really really disrupted and democratized that industry. You know, so. So I'd I'd say that was that was one. I mean, again, every place I've worked, I think you know is is like that. The SOCs at Alchemy, um, you know, the products that you and I worked on at Life Size. I mean, you know, certainly fit that fit that mold. I mean, it's uh, um, you know that industry. You know, it's it's fun because you know something happens where either the compute becomes you know you know Moore's law kind of goes out to a point where you can do some things that were impossible before. Um, or the cost of silicon, you know, goes down to a a point where, you know, it's just unimaginable cost points that that make it attractive and and usable by, you know, an order of magnitude, two orders of magnitude, three orders of magnitude, you know, more people. And then when you get more people using it, you know, you have the network effect and all that stuff. And, and, um, you know, you really can start to impact people's lives.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting to me. You see that these technologies, the one we've just video conferencing, we just came out of has been proven this, that it's gone from, basically impossible 10 years ago when we launched the world's first high def system to trivial now i mean anyone could do it uh, quite not quite anyone but it feels like it certainly it's a much simpler process which brings on the next point all this change is happening all the time it's dramatic if you look at the way moore's law works you go up by a factor of 10 every five years so how do you keep up because you paintly have right you know everything you've done from single link to Apple to size to all the other companies you've kept up and you've been at leading edge. Most people don't manage that. How have you coped? What have you done?
1: Well, I mean, I think you, I mean, you look at a lot of different places for inspiration. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I, I look at things as, you know, in two, two fundamental ways. I mean, there's things that have that their rate of change happens in more, more or less a linear fashion. And I think that video compression actually operates that way every 10 years. There's a new compression technology that's twice as good as the last one or, or half the cost. I mean, H.261, 263, 264, 265. Nobody cares about the names anymore, but I mean that's that's a that's an area of innovation that really plods along at a very very consistent consistent uh, pace. And then on the other side, you have these nonlinear types of activities. You know where you know something something happens. I mean with with uh, you know the advent of DV cameras and 1394 cam- you know, firewire cameras that really allowed putting a you know putting a a professional level recording device in the hands of kind of a mere mortal is one. I mean, there's the Netflix versus Blockbuster. There's the, you know, there's the Amazon versus, you know, the brick and mortar, you know, book, book places. I mean, there's, there's all these cases. If you just look around um, you start to see these, you know, these things that you can connect in kind of a nonlinear fashion. And then all of a sudden they just explode. I mean, when you look at life size, you know, so I was at life size for, almost 12 years, I think one week shy of 12 years, but, you know, a smartphone had not even been introduced in the market for years after we started the company, you know, and, and if you look at the impact of the smartphone, you know, to the general good of the world, I mean, you know, it's had a much, much bigger, much bigger impact, um, you know, but if you ask, you know, how you find it, I mean, you know, people talk about flow a lot, you know, you get in the flow, you know, you, you know, time evaporates, uh you know, how do you get into the flow? I mean, you got to start thinking differently about problems. I mean, from every different angle, sideways, backwards, from the, you know, just different than what you've looked at it before. Um, you've got you got to have a strong imagination. You've got to have, you know, this novelty. You know, you just, just change change your environment. You know, I'm up in Colorado right now. You're, you're in Austin. I know it's, it's got to be un- ungodly hot. We're still October. I heard it was 99 degrees yesterday. Is that right?
0: It was 99 degrees yesterday, yeah, in mid-October.
1: Yeah. I mean, so it's, I mean, I listen to a lot of Ted talks. I I read a lot, you know, I like to surround myself with, uh, you know, optimistic and passionate people, you know, it's, you know, you need to, you know, as, a, as the CTO of a company that has hundreds of people, I, you know, you kind of get away from making, you know, one of the things I want to do, you know, in the next, in the next year is get really back into that as an engineer. I mean, you want to make things, I mean, you want to put your hands on it and create things. So, So, I mean, every single day, if you just open up your eyes and you look around and you interact with people, you know, then you will find some inspiring things and inspiring stories, you know, of of how to engage.
0: So speaking of inspiring, and I always love this question, I ask all my guests. So you've had this glittering career. It's all gone swimmingly. Uh, What's the most horrible screw-up? What went really badly wrong? Either for the company you work for or Mm -hmm. you got wrong. And what did you learn from the experience?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's you know it's uh i'm a big fan of failure you know it's i mean i think if you google wrote some you know kind of codified you know some principles of innovation you know i think it's called google's eight eight pillars of innovation and one of those is never fail to fail and and i you know it's 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 not a it's not a crime to to fail and every everyone should you know really try to make some huge mistakes. You know, I mean if you're not doing that, then you're not pushing hard enough. And and the the other part about it is 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 people just remember your successes. They really, you know, over time your failures kind of, you know, kind of drift off into nowhere land. And and you only have to be lucky once. I mean you only have to be right one time, you know, so it's uh so it's I mean there's been tons of failures. I mean if I look at if I look at the things at life size that I wish that I would have done better. I mean so certainly, I don't think that we we had the best control type of applications. You know, the management applications. I'm sure you would agree with that. It's uh, uh,
0: no no comment for legal reasons.
1: The uh, you know, passport was uh, one of my favorite products, but commercially was a was a failure. Now, maybe if we put the uh, you know a presentation port on it, it would have been a different a different thing. It's no. Uh, maybe the cost wasn't right. Maybe the go to market model wasn't correct. But I mean, it was a, technically it was a brilliant product. And allowed us to move into the products that that LifeSize is selling now. But, I mean, that was kind of a commercial failure. I mean, I I think for, you know, H.261, you know, if I could rewind the clock, I mean, it was my decision to go back and add that into the product. It was a complete waste of time, Um, you know, influenced by one customer over in Asia. Um, You know, so that was a very weak moment. I really wish, you know, I really regret that. Um, You know, there's, there's there's just a ton of things that, you know, you wish, you know, there's little features, there's little... You know, there's little, you know, there's little things that you wish that you'd do differently with your kids maybe, or, you know, different, different decisions that you make, you know, around, around your friends and family. And it's, a, uh, but, but I mean, for the most part, I mean, I'm not afraid of, of failing. I think it's, uh, you know, making mistakes as long as you learn from them, you know, and as long as you don't, you know, keep making them, you know, so it's, so it's, uh, you know, when I talk to, when I, I think you're going to ask, I think we're going to talk a little bit about millennials in a, in a few minutes, but sure. But that's, you know, one of the things that, you know, I talk to them about is, I mean, make some, make some massive mistakes. I mean, you know, really, you know, really do it up great because that's the way that you really learn. I mean, you really learn from the things that you, that if you're looking for it, I mean, you know, and you don't feel like you are, you know, God's gift to God's gift to the world and you're immune from making mistakes. Then, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to learn. I, you know, my, the best day is for me is when I've had a long held belief that something works like this and then out of the blue i learned that it i learned that it does not and then i think oh my god what a great you know what a great day it is today because i get to completely change my perspective on 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 what i know on what i think and what i know and and if that's possible then pretty much anything's possible yeah
0: bill bryson said he said the best moment in science is always when the scientist expects one answer and actually says oh i wasn't expecting that and i think that that's a fair statement that there's a lot of um, There's a lot of interesting stuff happens in the gaps when you were expecting one result or to prove one position and came up with another one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So the industry, well, I don't know what industry are you in right now? You're in the uh, you're in the sabbatical industry. So let's ignore that. Let's pretend you're still in the video conferencing one, which you've only been out of for six weeks. So you still are. What's this industry, in your opinion, going to look like in the next few years? Five years, I, I wrote my piece of paper five years. It seems a little far out uh, for anyone to reasonably predict. But um, what do you think it's going to look like in a couple of years at least?
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that five years is really, is really too hard to, to really predict out that. I mean, you, you know that technology is just going to march along. I mean, you know, so every 18 months, things are going to get half the cost or twice as fast, um, you know, and that's on a component level. And I mean, there's sometimes there's some periods of time where that happens systemically. But, you know, if I if I look out at it, video conferencing, I mean, there's been a lot of strides that have been made over the past decade, you know, and still, it's, I think it's underutilized, but it's, you know, the cloud is going to dominate for sure. I mean, it's we're at the, a place that's, um, you know, it's very, very early on for that. Um, you know, endpoints will be the price of smartphones. They should be already, but but, you know, they're not, Um, you know, maybe, maybe an endpoint is a smartphone, you know, so it's, you know, this, uh, the whole idea of what the terminal device is, you know, may, may change completely. You'll be able to connect to anybody. I think collaboration is an area that's really been underinvested in, you know, so there's a company in Los Angeles that I saw a couple of years ago. The name of them is called Oblong. And if you, you know, when it's very rare where you walk in someplace and you kind of go, wow, that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, but these guys came out of the movie uh, Minority Report, and they, and they actually wanted to build, build some commercially available equipment. Now, it still costs way too much money. I mean, it's, uh, you know, six figures or more. But that's the place where you look at these things and you look at these nonlinear events. And when that becomes available to do for $10,000 or $2,000, then, you know, some of the ideas that those guys have are going to be really interesting around collaboration. Um, you know, everything will be captured and searchable. You know, cameras will not be mechanical at all. I mean, you're, you're starting to see that now. You know, really, really dense image sensors, um, you know, digital, digital PTZ cameras allow very, very small form factors, you know. Uh, well, you, um, you, can,
0: you can see that in photography. I mean, compact cameras are dead because an iPhone 6S is better than any a compact. A, a, an iPhone 6S is better than my SLR. Yeah. Do 4K recording. It can do pan these long pano pictures. Incredible. The, the lenses are becoming irrelevant to a very large extent. As long as you can capture something, you yeah. do whatever you like with it electronically.
1: I mean, the computer is going to be 10x more. You know, you know, we kind of, you know, 4K displays. Ah, eh, you know, I mean, H.265. Eh, I mean, it's you know, it's if you think of them in terms of what you've always done, then those. Those don't seem that interesting, but if you if you think of an 8K you know display that's contoured around a a a round p- portion of your home, which is massive in size, where video is just one portion of that, and then it becomes many other things when you're not you know not doing video. Um, you know all of those things. You know just immersive types of collaboration. Um, I mean, this there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of things that happen in the next in the next few years. Now, that's not going to happen in the next couple of years, but if you start thinking about five years from now, I mean, I mean, it's obviously, I mean, we'd like to have like some type of holographic images or teleportation. I mean, you know, we both grew up, you know, in the place where we you know we beam from planet to planet. You know, in Star Trek. You know, so it's uh, you know who knows who knows what's going to be possible. You know, but it's uh, it's fun to fun to fun to dream about it.
0: I was talking, I was at a talk recently in London and one of the presenters there was from NEC and they're saying that the Tokyo Olympics will be fully recorded and streamed in 8K. And I hadn't realised that 8K is not just about four times the number of pixels of 4K. It's also an enormously wider colour gamut as well. And the the bandwidth's required for that just becoming monstrous. And then you think that's going to be impossible. think No, Moore's Law will destroy it. And in 10 years from now, it will be 100 times better than we've got at this point. And it it, it does make you wonder how quickly can most people keep up. So speaking of technologies, uh, uh, you've always played this game, interview with pretty much everybody, so I'm going to play it with you now. Uh, What technologies are catching your eye right now?
1: So technologies that are catching my eye, I mean, so it's – I mean, so back in the 60s, I mean, you certainly would have wanted to be an aerospace engineer. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, back when I came in, I made mean, great advice that I got, you know, to go into electrical engineering and, you know, kind of witness the whole birth of the whole personal computer and the silicon, you know, kind of revolution and all the things that that's kind of, kind of led. I mean, so when you look out, I think that there's things that are interesting. I mean, I would love to have an autonomous car. I'd love to have a, you know, I'm really looking forward to the day where I can, can, uh, you know, just call down the car and, you know, get in it and go anywhere and read or take a nap or, or do that. I mean, so I think, you know, autonomous vehicles in general are interesting. I think all the things around bionics and, and biotech, I mean, there's just going to be some, some spectacular things as you marry biology and, and computers. Um, you know, so I, I would, I think that that, I think that the biotech side of it, you know, while, you know, if you look at the stock market and you look at some of the early biotech companies, then you see some wide, gyra, you know, wild gyrations there. Um, I think that's gonna be a pretty pretty big area that's, that's, that's very interesting. I think that space exploration is gonna be you know, is gonna be be big. I mean if you look at if you look at the things that Elon Musk is doing, I mean, around around uh, renewable energy, around, you know, around electric cars, around, you know, space. I mean, that guy, when you really look at the you know, somebody who's inspiring and is really doing some big things than then he is. But you know, you don't have to look very far. I mean, every single day you look outside and you see some you know, you see some amazing things that people are doing.
0: So if you, um, so that kind of brings us to the millennials idea or the millennials conversation. So a 20 year old is at college or first year of college. They don't know what they do. They're doing a general, let's say they're doing a proper degree. They're doing a science degree of some description and they come to you and say, Casey, what's the thing of the future like your friend did uh, when you were that age, what would you say?
1: Well, I would certainly list those. I mean, I think that, you know, the biotech probably has a longer life than, you know, kind of the, uh, the vehicle side. I think that problem will get solved, solved faster, but I mean, I, I yeah, so, so every summer I give a presentation to the, to the summer interns and it's really the, it's really my favorite presentation that I've, that I've given. And it's called connecting the dots, the path to CTO and other random nuggets of info to ponder you, me and life size. And, and I started off by going, where will you be in 30 years? You know, and you know, why are you studying what you're studying? How did you end up here you know, at this particular job? What will you do here? You know, what's your biggest mistake? You've got to have a plan, right? I mean, it's all, it's all, everybody tells you you've got to have a plan and it has to be really well constructed. Well, the next slide, I have an image of a book by Daniel Pink. I'm sure you're familiar with Daniel Pink. I mean, he's, he's written Drive. He's written a lot of other great books. But this one, you may not have heard of it, which is a cartoon book called Johnny Bunko. And inside Johnny Bunko, I mean, it's, it's kind of this career advice to young, young people. And he talks about, you know, first of all, there is no plan. I mean, and I think that, you know, our discussion today, at least my plan, my path to where I got, you can connect how you got there or how I got here, but you couldn't have predicted it. Um, Think about all your strengths. Don't concentrate on your weaknesses. It's not about you. I mean, the other thing about some of the millennials, when they come out of college, they go, hey, I'm entitled to everything now, you know, it's, but they offer zero value until it's proven, you know? So when they come out, um, I mean, it's not about you. You've got to provide value to me or to, you know, to our customers or partners or or someone, someone else. Persistence Trump, persistence trumps talent. Make excellent mistakes. We talked about that before, leave an imprint. And then I would add to that, you know, you kind of work around the fringes. So, so that's, that's, uh, I think that that's good advice to, you know, to anybody. I mean, there's not this big plan. I mean, there's, you have to be willing to be flexible and to adapt. You know, So if you say, I want to do electric cars, or I want to do biotech, or I want to be, do computer architecture, I mean, all those things are well and good, but you've got to be flexible and you know, kind of change it. And then we talk about my journey, which we've talked about, around a dozen dots. I mean, one of the ones we didn't talk about, I'm actually writing a blog post on LinkedIn uh, tomorrow around perspective. And this is kind of the, the impact of an automobile accident that we were in about 15 years ago was kind of the catalyst and how, you know, things really change if you kind of drop the fear of, of, um, you know, doing big, you know, doing big things. We talk about them, um, talk about the importance of mentors. We talk about the the importance of being able to present, you know, and you've heard, you know, you know, we're big, big, both big fans of that at 10, 20, 30. And we talk about why, um, you know, big plug for Simon Sinek. I mean, if, if anybody hasn't seen, you know, his Ted talk on why, then they should go off and watch it. And then we talk about, you know, when I say, it's best to kind of be out on the fringes that what that means is, I mean, don't be afraid to work on products that are the first product of its kind or the best product or the only product. I mean, you, you want to work in these areas that are unique um, that offer bigger value. And they also, you know, it's, it also makes you more valuable. And then at the end, we always talk about five products, you know, five great products. And, and a lot of times, if I'm interviewing somebody that's not technical, then I'll, I'll finish with that particular question because what you're looking for is it doesn't matter what the, it doesn't matter what the products are that they turn them on. But what's important is that there are products that are out there that turn them on and that they're passionate about it, that they can, they can recognize them. It's very difficult to build a great product, but it's very easy to, to, to use one and go, Hey, this one's fantastic and this one's crap. So,
0: so it's, and I have a perspective that these things matter and, that they actually notice the world. I, I'm always shocked by a p- number of people who don't even seem to notice the world around them. Always strikes fear in my heart.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you have to care. I mean, you have to, you know. And I think that you know, the things that you use are a reflection of of you. I mean, it's if you if you people people will notice, you know, that you pay attention to details, or that you know that you. Yeah, you know, I, I love. I love things that, you know, have almost a cult-like, you know, cult-like following, you know, it's, I, I love, uh, you know, we just bought an Airstream trailer. We've had a motorhome for 15 years. I mean, you know, the people, the people that use those, I mean, they, they're, they're birds of the same feather. I mean, they're just, they're, they're just so passionate about, you know, the, the, the things that they do. Um, you know, I built an airplane, the people that I've met around the world from that, you know, I can't, uh, you know, it's one of the best things I ever did, you know, and these people are just super passionate about it. We like Jeeps, you know, so you, you out four wheeling and, you know, these people, I mean, they would, you know, they they'd almost be, uh, there's no way you'd have to pry out their Jeep out of their dying hands. You know I mean? It's, so, so it's great. You know, I, you and I, I, I love Apple products. I mean, part of that is just being biased by working at Apple, but you know, they, they bring a, a sense of, of delight and a sense of love into their, into their products. And, 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 you know, there's just too many just crap products that are out there and, you know, life's too short to use those. And it's, I I get, I get frustrated as well. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, you get frustrated with, hey, why doesn't this work differently? Why doesn't this work better? You know, there's just so much room for improvement. Um, You know, it's, uh, you know, so it's, things are not perfect at all, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely fun to be working with a team of people, you know, that have this, at this bigger purpose, you know, to do things that are spectacular.
0: Okay. Uh, I think we got them already, but final thoughts, anything that you want to share with our audience, any massive revelations about what you're going to do next or is it Colorado yeah. for the rest of the year?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not Colorado. I'll be back in Austin in a couple of weeks. Cause I, I heard there's a big, I heard there's a big event at the end of the month. Is that right?
0: Yes, there is. Yeah. Yes. It, which we won't go into now, but yes. And you better turn up.
1: Yeah, yeah, so we we'll, we'll be there for that, but it's a uh, you know, so it's it's uh I mean, th- we didn't talk too much about simplicity and it's uh and you know, kind of, you know, how you distill the complex down into the simple, but you know, that's a definitely a big idea. It's not it's a it's an idea of everybody wants things simpler, so it's it's one of those things that's very, very difficult to achieve, but uh, you know, that's that's something that everyone should keep in keep in mind. I think scale is another one. You know, we talked we touched on scale a little bit, but it's a it's a very different thing you know to go from a customer base of a few thousand or a few or, or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands up to scale that you know approaches you know hundreds of millions or a billion you know so it's so everything you do is is i mean you have to kind of grow along that continuum but you know scale is is really important you know we didn't talk too much about learning um we uh but i am an avid avid learner i mean and i mean it's, you have to have you have to be curious about the world around you you have to be curious around the people that you meet you have to believe that that um, that everyone else has something to offer to you to learn you know if you're open to looking at looking at it you know so i I think we touched on a lot of other things so you know i'm pretty pretty happy pretty happy with that but you know as as for me for what we're gonna do next i mean my big my big goal is to not work I mean because it's it's so easy to it's so easy to go off and do something. And I just want to make sure that what I do next is one is around the space that I'm most interested in and also even more important around with people that I I really want to do it, do it with. And and, the other big change now is it doesn't take hundreds of people to do some, do some pretty monstrous things. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, today you can do some pretty incredible things with maybe five or 10 or 15 people. So, you know, finding that right tribe and finding the right, space to work on is is you know pretty pretty important for me.
0: Yeah, in fact I would argue that there's a there's a um, concept that it's actually is easier to build something with 10 people than it is with 200. There's just so many less meetings to go to.
1: Yeah, I mean there's there's one other book that I read um I don't even know if I've actually completely read it but it was uh and I'm not a huge fan of agile um, but I think that it does have some, some interesting points, but the, the book was called scrum. It was by the inventor of scrum called, uh, his name was Jeff Sutherland. And I mean, they talk a lot about, you know, we all, we always talk about the 10 X individual. You know, If you have a guy that's, that's just super, I mean, you have engineers that are, when they are outside the standard deviation, they can be 10 X more, uh, more productive. But when you talk about teams, the idea is really to get teams moving in the same direction. If you take that same analogy, then it can be, it can be a great team can be 2000 times more efficient than just a mediocre, a mediocre team. So, so it really, you you really want to have great teams and the size of teams is really seven people, you know, seven people plus or minus two, you know, so when you say 10 people, I mean, that's, you know, kind of right in the ballpark and, you know, small teams with the right focus can do some amazing, amazing things. Everywhere I've, everywhere I've worked, it always started with a small team. You know, so it was a small team at, at Apple. It was a small team at Alchemy. It was a small team initially at LifeSize. You know, and then when it grows bigger, things just get more complicated, and then hence the, you know, there's always this, there's always this push and pull between complexity and simplicity, and that's organizationally as well as on products. Well, we have a personal blog, um, which is uh, trek, T-R-E-K with the kings.com. Um, so, you know, I'll put up a variety of content up there, but mainly it's just for us. Um, and then I am going to, I am committed to to writing some things on LinkedIn, you know, on a, every week or every couple of weeks, you know, just kind of lessons learned and, you know, just a whole, you know, just some things that um, you know, I think that are, that are important for me just to, to write and you know, get out there. So, so it's, it's just so much fun now. I mean, of, of the social media, of all the, uh, of the, the people that you can connect with and, you know, it's, it's, it's about building a tribe, you know, it's about building the next, you know, the next, uh, the next thing will certainly involve people that I've worked with before. I mean, I, I'm distrustful of, you know, someone that I, that I know nothing about, you know, so it's, a uh, you know everyone has kind of a list of you know there's probably a couple dozen guys that would that would definitely you know i would i would actually probably stop the little gap year and go work on something if if that opportunity you know presented itself with you know a couple you know with one of a couple dozen people so so it's uh yeah that's that'll be fun that's great
0: Casey king thank you very much for your time and everyone i hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you again soon